Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And today, uh, we are going to take a look at everything surrounding the play-in series and the round robin and everything that has happened in the past couple weeks. Uh, we haven't recorded in a while, so I'm not really sure what has happened since, but we're going to just go through the series one by one, I think, and... Um, talk about who's been injured or who's opted out and stuff like that as we go. And then there's some other stuff we can touch on as well. But uh, yeah, this is going to be a pretty heavy thing, just previewing the uh, play-in series and stuff like that, as this is kind of what we do if the normal playoffs had happened three months ago or whatever. So um, first of all, I guess I should say uh, it's pretty impressive that the NHL, what what they've done so far, I've been pretty happy. Uh, I would I personally was a skeptic of how their plan would work, but uh, they reported yesterday that they have had zero positive tests to end Phase 3, so hopefully that stayed true for Phase 4. Um, I saw Max Pacioretty didn't travel with Vegas. I don't know if that's COVID-related or just personal reasons, but uh, yeah, hopefully they can keep that number at zero because um, I don't know if you've seen what's going on in baseball right now, Chase, but it is a completely different story. Yeah, wasn't it like 13 Marlins tested positive or something ridiculous? As of 3.30 p.m. on Tuesday when we were recording, it's up to 18, and they've had to cancel the, all the Marlins games up until Sunday, and they were trying to play 60 games through 66 days, so they're already really in a tough spot. Yeah, you have absolutely no room for error if you're trying to fit a baseball season in that quickly, or a half baseball season in. Yeah, and I could say, I, I think everyone kind of saw this, this, like, I just don't understand how they thought this was going to work. I, I really don't get it. Um you know, obviously this isn't a baseball podcast, but when your plan is just do everything like normal and pray to God that no one gets COVID for two months, uh, it's just not a good plan. Like, there's no bubble or anything. And, like, the weirdest thing about the MLB is there wouldn't, it wouldn't have even been that hard to make a bubble. You just have three cities because two divisions play each other, and that's it. You don't play anyone outside of the two divisions this year. So it's like it wouldn't have been that tough. It would have been tough enough, but it wouldn't have been impossible. But, um, yeah, I've got to say with the NHL, I've been – Pleasantly surprised, um, you know, teams made their way to the bubble this past weekend. Uh, so hopefully we'll get the testing details of this week uh, next week. So hopefully it is all zero and all good. And, you know, we can uh, start the playoffs this Saturday and have, you know, have it go off with without a hitch. Yeah, I'm looking forward. It's weird to say that there's hockey on tonight because it feels like forever. Yeah. Are you going to watch any of the uh, exhibition game? Uh, that's a good question. It depends how bored I am. I probably won't, but uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see at least the highlights and stuff on Twitter if there's anything big. But I think more – like, I don't blame anyone for watching. I think if you have nothing to do on a Tuesday night, why wouldn't you, right? Like, um, Oh, yeah, there are far worse things to do after work on a Tuesday than I assume because this is, like, the only exhibition game, if I remember correctly, that it'll be very high tempo, too. Yeah, it should be. I think people, I think the first period or two will probably them get their skates underneath them. But I think by the end, it'll, it, it definitely won't be like what the first preseason game in a normal season is like, where it's just like, or like the, the first one that all the full-timers play, where it's just like no one's trying and they're all just trying to skate without getting hurt. Yeah, exactly. Like this should be as close to a real game as preseason or non-season hockey ever gets. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I guess without... You know, I don't know if you have anything else to say on the bubble. Um, it looks, you know, the, the NBA's looks a little more uh, fun, I guess I would say. But uh, I think uh, the NHL's looks fine for, you know, what it needs to do. So, yeah, I would think the NBA has a lot more resources to make the bubble fun, too. Well, and just like they, they also have it that they're not in a city. They're literally in, you know, Disneyland, right? So, yeah, did I see they were like recreating 
to be a pro from like 2K? Like for what? I don't know. Apparently, there's like a barber shop in 2K, and they oh yeah 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 they 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 have something very similar to that yeah but uh, oh the other thing I wanted to touch on did you see the diagram or did you see the picture of the NHL what the the rinks are supposed to look like in the NHL yeah no I did not oh. They look really good. I sent them in the one group chat we're in. I think the GM Connected one. Uh, they look really good. They took away, they, they tarped it all off with NHL tarps right at the bottom so you can't see any empty seats. And uh, it just kind of looks like, uh, almost like an NHL 20 kind of like, um, just arena setup. It looks really, really cool in my opinion. Yeah, it does look pretty cool actually. It does look very much like it's straight out of a video game trailer or something like that. Yeah, but I, I think I would, I mean, obviously we'll have to see it live, but I think I would rather that than um, seeing just a bunch of empty seats, you know? Yeah, it'd be kind of awkward if it was just, not that they really have a choice, like it's going to look weird no matter what, but I feel like all empty seats would look too strange. Yeah, I mean, in baseball, like, uh, they have some cardboard cutouts, but when they don't, it's just empty behind the stands. It, it looks a little strange. It's fine. Like, I don't know. I'm not really worried about it, but uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that looked pretty cool anyways. Yeah, it doesn't really matter, but it's cool to see. All right, so let's get into the um, breakdown, I guess. Let's start with the 5 versus 12 scene and go from there. Um, we have the Pittsburgh Penguins versus the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, we should probably preface this with uh, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, there's been so much time off and just, like, with just the the un, uh, unsure of, you know, who is doing what over this month and, you know, if someone caught COVID, God forbid, but, you know, if it happens, what happens then? This could go anyway, but uh, we're trying to just break it down, I think, kind of from a scope of knowing what we've seen from the past seven months or whatever. Uh, you know, what do we think this series has in store for us? Um, yeah, so like, I think there will be things like, I think underdogs are going to win more than we would expect based on like previously trained data just because of how weird this is all going to be. Shorter series, home ice matters way less and everything like that. But with that being said, we still do have a lot of information on these teams. Yeah, for sure. And then just with, yeah, two out of three series, like if the Rangers knock off the Hurricanes or like if the Penguins just have a bad goaltending performance for two games, the Montreal Canadiens could be, uh, or say three to five, but the Canadiens could be moving on just like that, right? But uh, we'll get into this series now. Um I think from Dom Lushijan's betting model that this was one, this and Toronto, if I remember correctly, are the two heaviest weighted in terms of one team or the other, and it's obviously Pittsburgh pretty heavily favored, um, and I, I think that's fair. Um, for uh, anyone listening, um, Chase and I went broke these all down when uh, the format got released. Uh, we we looked exactly what we thought of each matchup, but that was right around when the um, uh, stuff in the uh, United States started happening and the Black Lives Matter movement started. And we just didn't feel it was right to um, publish the podcast at that time without talking about anything. So it's known as the Lost Podcast. But we, we broke those all down now. So to me, it's going to feel very similar. But I have to keep reminding myself that we didn't actually, we haven't actually talked about this on a podcast technically. Yeah, it feels kind of weird talking about the exact same thing again. But it's been so long that it feels new again almost, even though nothing has changed. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I think this is probably one of the most lopsided, or I'd feel comfortable saying that's one of the most lopsided. Um, Dom's model is at 64% for Pittsburgh and 35.8% for the Canadians. Um, so it's still like a one in three chance for the Canadians to win. Um, that's pretty aggressive for a five-game series, though. 
Yeah, it is for sure, especially in the NHL, you know, where like almost every game feels like a 50-50 coin toss uh, between teams. Yeah, like I I see a lot of people, it's kind of like hot taking Montreal because they're the XG team, basically, that like they were second in the league in expected goals for percentage this year at even strength, which is great. Like you can argue they are an underrated even strength team. That's fine. But the Penguins were very good at even strength, too. And if there's one team I have faith in, overperforming their expected goals. It's the one that has Crosby and Malkin hopping over the boards every other shift. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. I, I think it's just a no-brainer to favor the Penguins here. Um, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, Zach Aston reese took a shot at him saying he doesn't even know who's on Montreal's first line. Um, the first line would be Thomas Tatar, Philip Deneau, and Brendan Gallagher. And for what it's worth, that's not the... I, I think to the casual fan, that sounds like a horrible first line, but it's really not that bad. Yeah, it's one of those lines where, like, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Um, and then if you look down their depth chart, they got names like Jonathan Drouin, Nick Suzuki, Joel Armia, Arteri Lekkonen, Jesper Kutniemi, maybe, Paul Byron, Max Domi. Uh, Max Domi will be playing. There's some question marks there because he was diabetic, but uh, he clearly feels okay to play, so he's good there. On the back end, Ben Cheria, uh Shea Weber, Jeff Petrie, Victor Mete, Xavier Roulette and Christian Folan. Carl Alsner opted out. He was probably one of the bigger names that opted out due to uh, health and safety con- concerns. And I don't think Alsner would have been on the starting lineup anyways. But, uh, yeah, he was one the one notable guy for them that uh, opted out. Yeah, I don't think that really changes Montreal's game plan. That might actually hurt the Penguins' chances, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and then on the other side, uh, lining up with that, and I'm just going off the daily face-off line combinations, it's Gensel, Crosby, Shiri, uh, Zucker, Malkin, Rust, Patrick Marlowe, who I forgot was a Penguin, Jared McCann, Patrick Hornquist, Tanev, Bluger, and Zach Aston reese and then on the back end, Brian Dumoulin, Chris Letang, Marcus Pedersen, John Marino, uh, Justin Schultz, Jack Johnson, uh, and then Annette, obviously, Carey Price, and then one of Matt Murray or uh, Tristan Jari for the the penguins yeah i'll be interested to see what they go in that i'm hoping they go with yar tristan jari i think but i have no I, idea what their plan is the pens fans i've talked to have said that they figured it'll probably be murray who gets the start in game one but has a short leash and i don't know like i i guess it's fine but if you're if you're going with a such a short leash that anything goes uh, anything goes wrong and he's getting pulled maybe you're just starting the wrong dude but yeah, that's kind of tough. I can see how you'd be anchored to, like, Murray's past playoff success, too. So it's it can't be that easy of a choice for Sullivan. No, I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, if you had a prediction, you know, how would you predict this series going? Um, I'll say pens and four. That's exactly what I was going to say, too. Um, I, the one thing I wanted to talk about that I hear everyone say, and I just, I feel like people who listen to this podcast are going to know my thoughts on it, but... The whole X Factor carry price thing. I just like I think we're past that. Like, sure, any goalie can get hot for three to five games, but like, I like I I feel more comfortable in betting on other goalies to get hot before Carey Price at this point. So many like Tristan Jari had a nine twenty more recently than Carey Price. How many people yeah. believe that? And, and it's just like, uh, like you just look at even you know not even just his base save percentage which hasn't been great, but like. Anything like goal saved above average or goal saved above expected, like this year he was negative in both. And in the past couple of years, he's just been like the 20th best goalie in most of those categories. So it's just like, he's just, he's a fine starter. He's obviously overpaid, but it's just like, 
this whole, oh, he can absolutely steal games for you. It's like, well, I don't think he can do it to more of a degree than any other starting goalie in the NHL can. Yeah, like any of the analysis around Price just involves like, look, any goalie can and will at some point get hot. So will Price, but it's not like he's special. No, like and he was special, but it was like almost closing in on half a decade ago now. Like, yeah, like it was a long time, especially in for a goalie. Yeah, exactly. It's like three or four years ago was it, or probably four years ago. I think now was his last really like elite season, and since then he's been either bad or average. So like, and he's been I don't hurt know. since then too. Like it's yeah, exactly. So it's just like I don't know. I get people like to you know. Because players are scared of him, too. Like, he's always on the top of the list for, you know, like, least goalies you least want to play against or whatever. I just, I don't know how much I believe in the price X factor. Yeah, I don't believe in it at all. And watch, he's going to have, like, a 950, and the Pens are going to get swept this series. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next series is the Carolina Hurricanes versus the New York Rangers. Uh, I, like, going into this, I wanted to say this is one that I could see an upset for, but I feel like the market has swung so far the other way where it's like, I feel like we're not respecting the Hurricanes enough. Yeah, this will be an interesting one because, like, Panarin's got a ton of love since, um, the like, with the Hart Trophy voting and stuff, but the Hurricanes are such a better team, even without Dougie Hamilton, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the big loss is Dougie Hamilton is out um, for... I'm not sure how long um, he could, if they would go into the playoffs, he, he should be able to return at some point, but I think they might have to go in and get in the second round or they were saying to get uh, him back. So that's a huge loss, obviously, but like, even so, like I get uh, Vatanen and um, Brady Shea aren't our favorite players in the world, but it's not like, like when those guys are probably your fourth, and fifth, third, and fourth best defenseman for, like, a very short time period, like, you're probably still okay. Like, their decor is Jacob Slavin, Sammy Vatnin, Brady Shea, uh, Jake Gardner, Joel Edmondson, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and Brett Pesci. As long as Pesci's not hurt, I'm not seeing him on the fa- daily face-off lineup card anywhere either. But, th- like, that's still a fine seven to go in with, and I think that's much better than the Rangers' blue line. Yeah, and they're so much deeper. And then one thing I think people also have to remember is Panarin was running at like a 105 PDO or something ridiculous like that this year. Like the Panarin we saw this year, like he is one of the best wingers in the league, but he's not as good as he appeared to be this season superficially either. Yeah. So Brett Pesci, I'm not sure. He, he It was announced in March that he'd be out four to six months. Oh, so he's not playing then? I would guess not. Is March, April, June. Like, he should be. The last update I have on him, March 5th, he's out for the rest of the season. So I guess there's been no update on him. So maybe he's not playing either then, which hurts a lot. That that hurts a lot more because then you have two of your best three defensemen out. But Yeah, that does definitely suck. But even, like, if they're rocking, like, third pair Jake Gardner TVR is what Daily Faceoff has, like, that's not half bad. No, not at all. I think their second pair is where it gets a little more risky. Um, but, you know, yes. like, it's Jake, Jacob Slavin's an amazing defenseman. So, and I really like their forward core as well. Um, you know, yeah, they, they obviously, they don't have an Artemi Panarin, but Svechnikov, Aho, Teravainen, Dezingle, Stahl, Williams, Trocek, Niederreiter, Martin Nikash. Like, that's a solid top nine. Yeah, exactly. Like, they just have so many more good hockey players. I think yeah, they still I'm, have a huge edge. 
Yeah, I think when you come to goaltending, as we said, any goalie can steal a series. But I think this is maybe the one, the one of the few cases where the Rangers have a really interesting spot because they have three guys who they could start. And I'll be inter- I'm really interested to see if they go with Lundqvist or Shesterkin. Yeah, I don't know. I assume they're going to go with Hank, right? Probably, yeah. And maybe it's like a Murray situation in Pittsburgh where it's like you keep him on a short leash. So it's like if he lets in three or four goals in the first game, maybe you just go to Shesterkin for game two. Like right away, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, so that should be interesting. Um, my prediction for this one, I need an upset in here, but I'm going to go Carolina in five still. I, I, I like their team. I think it'll be a close series, though. I don't see any either team just absolutely running away with this one. I'm going to go Carolina in four. I'm reasonably low on the Rangers, although maybe I'm not accounting for the blue line injuries in Carolina as much as I should be. Yeah, so this one, I think, right off the bat, I'll probably have the upset for, but you never know. Like, Panthers and Islanders, uh, seven-seed Islanders versus the ten-seed Panthers. Uh, I don't really know what to expect because it all depends on what Bobrovsky brings here. Yeah, and that's tough to say, right? Like, you can – there's so many ways to spin how COVID's going to affect players, and I feel like it's just all kind of – like, it all means nothing, essentially. And then after the fact, we're all going to decide that it was older players that had the edge or younger players that had the edge because of whatever happened to shake out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I don't know what that would mean for Bobrovsky. Like, he's been good in the past, so I, I would feel reasonably comfortable with him as my starter going into this. I I guess. I don't – like, he was – he has been good in the past, and that's fair. Like, maybe you just hope that, you know, his, his past is what he is. But he was, like – it is so impossible to understate how bad he was this year. Oh, yeah, he got shelled. Oh, he was, he was horrible. Like, if you go to Evolving Hockey's goal saved above average, he was fourth last. The goalie's worse than him. Pekarene, Braden Holtby, Jimmy Howard. Um, two of those guys are probably not our names we're going to be bringing up later. And Jimmy Howard just – he didn't win a game until, like, March, until the season got canceled pretty much. So uh, that's not a guy you want to be down at the bottom with. Yeah, the Red Wings were obviously miserable, but Howard sure did his part in the tank. Yes. Um, but, yeah, when you look at the team, I, I like the Panthers a lot more than I like the Islanders personally. Um, even, you know, I didn't really understand their deadline. Uh, I didn't think the Trocek trade made much sense. But, I mean, Barkov, Dadanoff, Huberdeau, Mike Hoffman, you know, Eric Hall is fine. Uh, Brian Boyle, Frank Vetrano, like – it's not a horrible group of guys. I think they have a good top six, and then the third line is really where they're going to uh, struggle against Carolina there. But uh, it should be an interesting match. Or uh, they're not playing Carolina, so it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> the 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 Islanders, sorry. Um, you know, and then when you look at the Islanders side, their forwards. Uh, I like Barzell. Um, and, and that's about I, as much as you can say about the Islanders. Yeah, like I don't I don't hate Eberle. I don't Lee. hate Lee. Yeah, like, there's a couple guys for, like, I don't hate Pajot either, but, like, as your second-line center, I don't really think that's great. Um, You know, like... Yeah, like, any argument for the Islanders kind of has to revolve around the coach, which I don't love. Yeah, or, like, their defensive system, which may, like, I don't know. I I go back and forth on, like, do you think offensive teams are going to have an advantage? Because you know how early in the season it's a lot sloppier and it's just, like, a lot of goals and then they tighten up later? Or do you think that it's going to be the defensive teams that have more an advantage because the offense isn't all on the same page? If I had to guess, I would say offense will win out. 
That's kind of what I would say, too. Uh, the one thing that's going for the Islanders is I believe they lost Ryan Pulak for the season earlier in the year, but I believe he will be back. So they'll have the Pelic and Pulak pairing going again, and that was a huge one for them in the regular season. Yeah, that's like their only D pair that I like. Yeah, I mean, Devon Taves with someone else might be okay. Scott Mayfield's like whatever, I guess. Like He's a guy. He's not, yeah, like he's, he's very – he's like a – fourth slash fifth defenseman but I like Taves enough that it's like that's a fine pairing it's just like if that's your best pairing you're in a little you're in a lot of trouble yeah like Taves just kind of reminds me of like Travis Dermott but a little better like he's like he puts up good underlying numbers on a low pairing or whatever but I don't exactly think he makes a good anchor for a team blue line yeah for sure so um my prediction for this one I'll go Panthers in five I'll say the same thing, just betting on the Panthers' strong links, and the Islanders just still don't have that many good NHL players. No, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I, we got burnt on this last year, too, but uh, unless, you know, if Bobrovsky just craps his pants, then obviously it'll be the other way around, but I, I, I like Panthers in five. Yeah, I agree. The thing with, so Bob was really bad this year, but, like, Varlamov was also capable of one of the worst seasons we have numbers for. Yep, yep, like, and I mean, even, like, like Bob last year wasn't good, and then come playoff time, he was very, very good, so, and then, like, he was a little better before playoff time, too, but it's not like we haven't seen him turn it around, you know, within a couple of games. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the final series here, the the Leafs and Blue Jackets, uh, I don't know how to feel about this one. I think on paper this should be a landslide win for the Leafs, but... If there's anything we've learned about the two teams is that, you know, one of them is just going to go no matter what. And the other one, I don't want to say folds under pressure, but uh, if there's anything like that, the Leafs are probably that. Just a team that, you know, when things get tough, it's it doesn't look good for them. Yeah, see, I kind of go the other way. I I don't know why. Obviously, hockey's random enough. The Blue Jackets will still have like a 35% chance at worst. But I think the Leafs are like overwhelming favorites and I don't understand why people are saying otherwise. I think it's because you've seen it play out on paper. Like you've seen the Leafs be overwhelming favorites on paper, not in the playoffs, obviously, but just like in situations all the time. And like, I don't know, like the thing that's the freshest in people's mind, obviously is the game against Carolina um, where they lost to a damn Zamboni driver. Um, But it's just like, I think there has been enough situations like that where it's just like, at times, the Leafs maybe just haven't done enough, or it's like, even when they have a lead against Boston, they can't finish it out. But, like, I don't know, like, uh, last year, or was it, it was two years ago that they were down 3-1 to Boston, and then they came back without Kadri to force a game seven. So, like, it's not like they don't fight back or anything. I just think that that's the narrative around it, and, I mean, we've seen it from time to time as well. Yeah, like, Boston has four players better than Columbus's best player, I would say. McAvoy and then the big three, correct? Probably. I like. I don't. I guess it depends how much you value Seth Jones. Yeah, but like statistically, there's pretty much no argument for Jones. I don't know what you're talking about. NHL had him in the <laughs> number five as the top twenty defenseman this year. So true. If you sort by points, he is pretty. High. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. Like. Yeah. Like. I think. Th- it's, uh, I think Toronto is at 65% or 66% to win the series. And I think that's right where they should be. But again, that's one in three. It's not like, 
like if the Blue Jackets win this series in four or five games and, you know, Corpus Allo or whoever's playing in net for them steals a game and or Anderson just has a bad game or two and, you know, the Leafs can't give them any support up front for a game like it's not the, the most out of this world thing. But like to me, this is a lot less close than a few of the other series we'll be discussing. Yeah, I completely agree. Like you just look at the lineup. The Leafs have more finishing talent. I don't think that's controversial. Not at all. In spite of this year, I would argue they have a way better goalie. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of what scares people this year, though. But like. Yeah, but I'm still betting on Freddie. And then after that, like even if you include the Babcock portion of the season, the Leafs still have a better goals for percentage, expected goals for percentage, and Corsi for percentage at even strength than the Blue Jackets. Like I don't really get where this edge is coming from for the Blue Jackets. Yeah, I think it might just be, you know, some people don't think they're a great style because the Blue Jackets are a defensive first kind of team. But again, like I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think it probably lends itself to offensive teams to start because it's like every year we've seen that offense takes the lead when you're both you're both playing sloppy to start the year. So if that's what we expect to start, I think that'll favor Toronto. Yeah, exactly. And if that's and if it is sloppy, Toronto has a huge advantage. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my prediction is Toronto and four here. I guess I'll I want to say I want to say three, but like I don't know. Like if I if I say any sweeps today, it's just because of the fact that I want to throw one in there, and not because I actually think a team's gonna get swept. Yeah, like Toronto's true talent is not beating the Blue Jackets in three or whatever. But no. Um, so off to the West, the five seed Oilers versus the twelve seed Blackhawks. Um, how do you feel about this one? Uh, Crawford's hurt, correct? Uh, no, Crawford had COVID, but he is playing, I believe. Okay. Well, either way, the Blackhawks are such a train wreck defensively. Like, they are what people think the Leafs are. I think McDavid and Dreisaitl are just going to destroy it. Like, eat them alive. Yeah, I think... Um, I don't... I, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I think that Edmonton should be fine as long as they just get, you know, average goaltending. Um, it's it's hard to say how. And, you know, like, the one tough thing for Chicago is I would have felt probably a lot better about them coming into this if they still had Robin Leonard, but they sold at the deadline because obviously they thought they were going to miss the playoffs by a lot. Yeah, and if they get knocked out, I, like, I think Chicago being in that lottery is more valuable than them making the first round to get pummeled by whoever. Absolutely. And Chicago, like, I don't hate Chicago's forwards. I don't know if I'm crazy for saying that or not, but, like, Dabrinkit, Taves, Kane, Dylan Strom, uh, and Brandon Saad as your top five guys, and then Alex Neal. Like, it, it, it drops off by uh, five and six, but, like, their first four forwards I really like. And then the rookie Dominic uh, Kubelik and Kirby Doc, like, I don't mind those guys either. So, it, But it's the defense that really scares me. Yeah, they just have a train wreck of a decor, and I'm really thinking that, like, Connor McDavid is just going to eat them alive. And yeah. Yeah, um, like Duncan Keith, Adam Boquist, um, and then Calvin DeHaan, Connor Murphy, and Ole Mattis, later Cuckoo. So, yikes, is all I have to say to that. Yeah, like, it, I'm not sure 29-year-old Duncan Keith could save this decor, never mind 37-year-old Duncan Keith. Yeah, and then on the other side, uh, Mike Green opted out for the Oilers. Not a huge loss, like a marginal one, but not like I don't think that should make the difference in the series by any means. Um, no, God no. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't I don't hate the Oilers. I don't know if they were the fifth best team in the West, but, like, I think when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl on your team, it's uh, it's hard. And, you know, we talked a lot. We we both really liked their deadline acquisitions. I liked Tyler Ennis. I liked Andreas Athanasiou for their fit on their team. So, um, you know, their team, looking at it, you have right now on from Daily Faceoff, Ryan Ninja Hopkins, Connor McDavid, Zach Cassian, Tyler Ennis, Leon Dreisaitl, Kyler Yamamoto, Andreas Anthonisiu, Riley Sheehan, Josh Archibald, and then James Neal, Jujar Kara, and Alex Chason. Not the worst 12 forwards that we're going to see here. So, And then on the back end, Clefbaum, Larson, Nurse, Bear, Russell, Benning. Um, it's not great, but I think it's better in Chicago's, even with how low of bar that is, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, like I don't love the Oilers either. I just think the Blackhawks are really bad. Yeah, I don't think they're very good. Um, I don't, like... It's, but their decor really, really concerns me. Like, really concerns me. Yeah, like, it's just so bad. And the Oilers have the advantage of they need so little to go right. They need yeah. to get decent goaltending and then have two players going, and they're fine. Well, yeah, if you look at the three categories, I think, like, as like I don't think the Hawks forwards are absolutely atrocious, but I think it's very fair to say the Oilers still have an advantage there. They clearly have the advantage on defense, and... With Crawford, just in general, but especially now that we know he, I believe it was confirmed that he had COVID-19, and that's why he wasn't practicing with them for a little while. I don't, who knows how that affects them, but just in general, I think, like, it's got to be close to a draw for goaltending no matter what. Yeah, like, in a five-game series, even if it is Pete Carey Price against, like, the 28th best starter in the league, you can't weigh that too heavily because of how random, random it is. Yeah, so, um... The next series, oh, oh, sorry, our predictions. I'll go Edmonton in, I'll say, five, I guess. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, I don't have a whole lot of faith in either of these teams, but I just think McDavid and Dreisaitl are so much better than anything Chicago has to offer, so. Yeah, I also think if, you know, if Crawford is even below average, this could be a sweep that you see. Uh, yeah, he's so. and he's going to have to be great, knowing how yes. bad the Blackhawks are at defense. Yeah, he is going to have to, like, if they win, he's going to have to save in the series. Um, okay, 6 versus 11, the Nashville Predators and the Arizona Coyotes. Do you want to get in the John Jacobs stuff now? Sure. Um, so that was a bit of a mess. Uh, for anyone who didn't see, uh, there was reports. Uh, well, Taylor Hall met with uh, the Coyotes, and someone reported that Chaka wasn't actually there at the meeting. So then people were like, oh, is he going to get fired? And then it turns out that Chaka resigned from his GM position. Uh, so rumor has it, you know, and it was not for a lateral move, so... It wasn't a different GM job, so people are wondering if it's inside or outside of hockey. Um, and then the other night, the Arizona Coyotes sent out an incredible petty statement. Uh, and, you know, usually they say, oh, we wish him the best. They're like, he's uh, leaving on a great organization with the best fans, and uh, we're really disappointed because he left it at a horrible time and just something like that. It was crazy unprofessional, but I kind of loved it. Um and I also love that they called them the Arizona Coyote fans the best fans. No offense to the ones that there are, but they're you know I don't know if you can have the best fans when there's 1,000 of you total. But uh, you know whatever. Um, but yeah, that's a bit of a wild situation. Um, I gotta say though, like people are making a huge deal of it. Is having your GM going into the playoffs or not having a GM going into the playoffs is that like the absolute worst thing? Yeah, I was kind of wondering the same thing. Like, obviously, we're not NHL players, but I can't imagine, like, Oliver ekman Larson's after a game is like, oh, I got to speak to John. Yeah, well, like, that's the thing. Like, obviously, I think you'd rather have one than not have one because it's just another person your coach can bounce ideas off of. But, like, 
Like, is it that bad? I don't, I don't know. Like, people are like, why would you, like, this, what a horrible time to leave. I was like, I think it'd be worse two months from now when they're trying to do the draft and free agency all in the same week, along with, like, just everything else that goes on. Yeah, like, um, I think the worst part about not having a GM right now wouldn't be anything hockey-related. It would just be the sort of, like, logistical nightmare all this planning would be because of COVID-19. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I don't know how much they do themselves of that either, but, like, that would definitely be the hardest part. And I don't know, like, maybe that's kind of why it sucked. But everyone was like, oh, what a bad time to leave it on a team. It's just, like, is it? Like, I guess. Like, you have, like, the GM has some feedback off, or feedback into the roster. But, like, I don't know. I thought it was, like, people being like, how could he ever do this? It was like, well, this is better than when they get put out and then they have to scramble around draft time to find someone. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Unless there's something we're missing in the GM's job description, but I didn't think it was like maybe you would prefer he did it at the start of the shutdown. But like, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's fair. But like, who knows if he knew? Like, I just, I don't know. I don't think this was the absolute worst time he could have opted out. Like some people seem to think, but it obviously isn't ideal by any means. But uh, I don't know. That's yeah. And the other interesting thing about it, Down Goes Brown pointed this out, was, like, how quit is a dirty word in hockey, and they used it, like, five times in their statement. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, he quit on us. So, like, I don't know, maybe he just bolted. If he bolted for another hockey organization, I think that would be very, very intriguing. But, uh, you know, if he just goes to some job, like, I think you said, what, he was, he came from Wall Street, didn't he? I'm pretty sure. He owns, like, 18 Wendy's or something ridiculous, too. Like, Yeah, so it's just, like... Like, I've heard two interviews, and from what I understand, like, hockey, he was costing himself a lot of money to be the Arizona Coyotes GM. Yeah, so, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, I don't have much to say on it. Uh, Don't want to get into the series? Yeah, I guess with one last thing on Jake, at least we definitively know analytics don't work now. Yes, uh, (laughs) if there's one thing this proves, it's definitely that analytics don't work. And you shouldn't probably listen to them at all, so. Probably not. Um, in the series, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not. I don't love either of these teams, but I like Nashville a lot more. Yeah, the Predators didn't have a great year, but like our prior on them is just so much better than the Coyotes that I think they have to have the edge, right? Yeah, the one the one place I think the Coyotes probably have the edge is in net. Oh yes, like overwhelmingly, I would say. Like Ranta and Kemper are both very very good goalies when they you know when they can stay healthy and. You know, Rene's off and on, but he was atrocious this year, and Saros was not very good this year either. So uh, there's a big gap there, I think. But, you know, when you look at the decors, uh, I don't hate um, Arizona's, but I, there's probably one team. and I don't think there's a team in the league right now, if you include injuries, that have a better decor than the National Predators. So Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, I've seen it hot-taked on Twitter that, like, the Coyotes are the big ones to watch for the upset. And, like, maybe. They do have really good goalies, but... I don't see what the Coyotes are better at than the Predators outside of goaltending, which is a sketchy thing to bet on in a five-game series, as we've kept saying. Yeah, unless you're betting on Taylor Hall to go to his, like, heart-winning peak season form. Yeah, like maybe. Or heart, uh, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, was it a heart? Is that what you... I don't know. Yeah, so Vesna's the goalie one, yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's just like, like, if that happens, I guess, and if, like, Phil Kessel's not bad but like, like yeah like if it's 2011 phil kessel and 2018 taylor hall then sure but I yeah don't know odds of that happening together are yeah exactly and then so i don't know like i, I don't 
the the Arizona roster is just so mad. It's just like it literally is to me the definition of like the tenth best roster and one in the West, and like they finished eleventh, so that seems fair enough. Like, oh yeah, they're just they just look primed to go forty one and forty one. <laughs> yeah, or like yeah, whatever just gets you just four points out of the playoffs or whatever. <laughs> like <laughs> like again, sorry if there's any uh, Coyotes fans listening, but like it's just their roster's so uninspiring <laughs> like yeah like there's not like i'm i'm higher on hall than most people but like there's really nothing scary about them because as good as taylor hall is i'm not sure him christian dvorak and connor garland is a line that the nashville predators are incapable of shutting down yeah exactly there's pieces i like but it's like geez it's not like other than their goaltending i do really really like their goaltending so yes and they have that thing going for them. Like, you know when the Cowboys signed Dalton and they were like, because you have two decent QBs, your odds of having an above-average QB in 2020 go from, like, 50% to, like, 70%? Arizona's yeah. got that going for them with goalies, too. Yeah, They're exactly. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, and then on Nashville's side of thing, uh, I don't really have much to say about this team either. I don't know. Like, it'll be interesting to see who they start in net because uh, I believe I mentioned earlier, Rene was like one of the worst goalies and like goal saved above average and goal saved above expect, expected this year. So, and you know, Saros wasn't good by any means. He was just probably less bad, but I would assume they probably go Rene to start. I would think so. I think most teams are going to default to like old faithful. Like you see yeah. the Leafs going back to Hyman, Matthews, Nylander. I think the Rangers are going to play Lundqvist. The, Predators are going to play Rene kind of thing. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of defaulting to Old Faithful. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I'll go Preds and four. Yeah, I'll say Preds and five. I I don't know. The Preds were impressively mediocre this year for how many good players they have. So I'm yeah. not super high on them, but I don't think Arizona's good enough either. Yeah, this- like, I think if either of these teams move on, I think they'll be a heavy underdog in round one for, you know, what an underdog is, obviously. Who do they play if they move on? I don't know because the seed it recedes and the oh, the right. the round robin decides the top one to four. So right, so they're out but, of the brackets. Will have to be made. Yeah, but. but they would play one of like the Avalanche, Golden Knights, Stars, or Blues. Yeah, they'll be pretty big underdogs in any series then. Yeah, especially for like three. Like I don't know. I'm not huge on the Stars roster, but I think the Stars roster is a lot better than Arizona's and. They're Probably all like better in that they're very reliant on a high save percentage, but they also have more good players. Yeah, with better priors. So, or not yeah. better in all the cases, but a lot more players with better priors in general. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, the two more series to go. We got the Canucks and the Wild. Um, this might be the one I'm the least excited about, to be honest. It's either this one or the Predators and Coyotes, and I. I just find the Wild so freaking boring. I just don't care about anything that happens to them. Me neither. Okay, you know the way people are talking about the Leafs-Blue Jackets series on Twitter is I think what this series actually is? Yeah, like... Like, I, I, I just... I think Minnesota probably has an underrated team. Is that fair to say? Like, Yeah, 100%. And isn't Kaprizov playing for them? Uh, he's signed, but I don't know if he's allowed to play. I don't understand the ruling on that because there was a whole bunch of rookies that I don't think he's allowed to play this year. Oh, I like him, him and like I don't think he is because him and uh, he's not in the opening lineup anyways. Um, what's the guy that Montreal has? Alexander Romanov. He's not allowed to play either. Because Kaprizov playing is like the only way the Minnesota Wild could play a game worth caring about. 
Yeah, like, it's just like, they don't have a horrible, like, I don't know. I like Kevin Fiala. Eric Stahl's fine. Then they got Jordan Greenway, Zach Parise, Joel Erickson Eck, Luke Kunin, Matt Zuccarello, Alex Galchenyuk, Marcus Foligno, Ryan Donato, Miko Koivu, Ryan Hartman. Like, that's not a horrible top 12 in terms of, like, just in general. But And then their defense is solid, like Sutter, Spurgeon, Dumba, Brodeen. Um, that's a good top four. Um, but I, I just, like, I don't know. I hate watching them, too. I always find it so boring. Yeah, like, they are, they have a lot of good players, but, like, there are only two really eye-popping players ever are Spurgeon and Fiala, and I'm not sure those two can make a team much-watch television. No, and it's just, like, and the, the style they play, it fits them perfectly, because it's the style they need to play, but it's just so, like, trap game defensive that it's just, like, I don't know, like, I, I'm just not necessarily excited to watch too much of this. I mean, I'm sure I will if it's on and I'm not doing anything, but... Um, yeah. Or, like, watching Miku Koivu play Selkie-level defense doesn't really just, like, get me excited. No, like, it, it's it's fun to, like, acknowledge that it happens, especially looking at the statistics for it. But when I'm watching it, I was like, I don't really, I don't need to watch this or anything. Like, oh, congrats on the neutral zone puck recovery. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, you know, on the Canucks, Pearson, Horvat, Besser, Miller, Pedersen, Toffoli, Roussel, Gaudet, Vertanen, Mate, uh, Tyler Mott, Jay Beagle, Louis Erickson, uh, the back end, Edler, Myers, Hughes, Tanev, Fattenberg, Stetcher, uh, and then Annette, Markstrom, and uh, Demko. Um, I'd say goaltending is the huge advantage that Vancouver has here. Oh, God, yeah. And raw, like, star power. Yes, and then, you know, with Pedersen and Hughes, that um, is huge. Uh, I don't know, like... I think I'm not like real high on either of these teams either. Like I feel like I'm higher probably than the general public is on Minnesota, but I'm definitely I feel like I'm lower than the general public is on Vancouver. I agree. Although like pop quiz, how many points do you think JT Miller had in? He had a lot. He was like point per game. I mean, yeah. He was like seventy two or something. Yep. Yeah, like it was disgusting. Because I saw it, I saw a Twitter polls like who is the Canucks MVP. And JT Miller had more votes than Pedersen or Jacob Markstrom. And I was like, what the hell are these people talking about? Went to NHL.com, saw the point totals. And I was like, ah, this makes a lot more sense. Yeah, but yeah, he, he was unreal. And, like, plugging him alongside Pedersen this year really unlocked, like, just – I think they, they just fit really well together. And, I mean, obviously some of it's luck too. But um, they both – like, he became a legitimate first liner and – um, you know, so that's a huge addition, but, uh, yeah, it was just like, it was insane the year he had. Yeah. It was really out of nowhere too. Cause like, it's not like he's been bad, but no, like he was a solid top six forward, but it's just like, he was like a legitimately a top 30 or 30 winger for sure. I think this year, like just this season alone. Yeah. hundred percent. This will be a good series for like depth versus star power because the top six is just so much better in Vancouver, but the team I think is a lot better in Minnesota. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, on this one, if you know if Markstrom's on his game, I think that could be huge for uh, Vancouver. Um, so I'll go. You know what? Screw it. I'll go Minnesota in five. I I don't know. I think this this one could go five games either way. I thought I was going to disagree with you for the first time, but I was going to say Minnesota in five too. Yeah, I just need an upset. I could see Vancouver winning very easily as well. Don't get me wrong, but uh, yeah, I'll go with that. And then this one, I think I might be most excited about the Calgary Flames and Winnipeg Jets. Um, yeah, this has potential to be a very good series. Yeah, I think this one could be one of the most intense series we see. Um, this is a shame that it's not played in front of fans because the fans would have been uh, losing their minds. Um, 
Uh, Travis Hamannick has opted out of the Calgary Flame for the Calgary Flames, um, but that is, I believe, the most notable miss missing uh, player from that either lineup, if I'm not mistaken. That might be the most missing player or notable missing player from any lineup. For COVID reasons, yes. Um, Samsonov is out for the Washington Capitals all year, and that is a huge hit because. Sorry about that, everyone. Uh, my wife or my power just cut out. Uh, it's been doing that in the last couple of days. So uh, what can you do? Uh, I believe I was talking about Ilya Samsonov. He was probably the biggest guy that missed. And uh, because Braden Holtby uh, has not been good this year. So but uh, I think Hamannick's definitely the biggest player has opted out because of COVID concerns. Um, and that's fair. Uh, looking at the two teams, you have Giordano, TJ Brody, Noah Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, Eric Gustafson, Derek Forbert. Uh, on the back end for Calgary, and then up front you have Goudreau, Monahan, Lindholm, uh, Andrew Magnapane, Mikel Backlin, Matthew Kachuk, Dylan Dubé, Sam Bennett, Milan Lucic, Derek Ryan, Mark Jankowski, and Tobias Reeder. Uh, and then in net, obviously, you have uh, Cam Talbot and Dave Riddich. I would assume Riddich will get the start there. Um, and then on the other side, you have the Jets. Um, their forward core consists of Kyle Connor, Mark Scheifele, Blake Wheeler, Patrick Laine, Cody Eakin, Nikolai Ehlers, Adam Lowry, Andrew Kopp, Jack Roslevic, Mason Appleton, Nick Shore, Matthew Perot, and then on the back end, Morrissey and DeMello, Kulikov and Pionk, and Beaulieu and Pullman, uh, and then Hellebuck in net. So the big up here is clearly Connor Hellebuck versus anyone that the Flames throw out. Yeah, it's like the Jets' only advantage because for some reason that Shifley Connor Wheeler line gets absolutely filled in. Yeah, like you think that the forwards should be very evenly matched here, but I think there's a pretty solid advantage to the Calgary Flames this year. Yeah, like I don't know how the Jets managed to be so bad, but they were, and I don't see a reason why that's going to change. So I think that Flames have a huge edge up front. Yep, and on the back end, uh, I like Morrissey, but he's no Giordano. Uh, I, I really do like the addition of Dylan DeMello. I think that'll at least give them three legitimate, like, top four NHL defensemen, which is something they did not have all year, because Neil Pionk's all right, but if he's, like, carrying your second pairing, or your first pair, or he's not carrying, he's uh, playing on your first pairing, and he, that's your second best defenseman by a mile, you're in trouble. Yeah, very much so. At least DeMello there, like, him and Morrissey makes a fine enough top pair. Yeah, but I still think it's worse than Calgary's top pair. Oh, yeah, Calgary has the two best defensemen in this series, I would think. Yeah, and, you know, um, you know, I, I like Calgary's second pair more, and honestly, I like their third pair more, too. I think the Eric Gustafson pickup was uh, a solid one, and that, you know, could pay off in spades for, you know, them in the matchup game. I love him. A Corsi Rel god from yeah. the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think uh, I, I'm, ex- I'm excited. I think Hellebuck should make this series fun. And as bad as the Jets were, I still do like watching them play. So um, I don't know. I think it could be close. I'm going to go Flames on this one. I guess I'll go with four, but I, I really could see them in five or the Jets in five or literally whatever, right? But I'm going to go really bold for no reason and say Flames in three. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, I think there will be at least two sweeps, I would say, in the eight series. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, no series is likely to be a sweep, but at least one will almost certainly happen. Yes, exactly. So it's, like, it's it's almost impossible to predict which one, obviously, too. But, like, I feel like, especially in a, a three-game series, I feel like we'll see a, a couple sweeps, probably. But I don't know which one's there to predict, so I'm just not going to do it. 
Yeah, I'll take a shot on this one. I I don't even think this is the most lopsided series, to be perfectly honest. But no, not at all. But you know, um, do you want to talk about the round robin at all? Like, do you think how how intense do you think those games will be? Like for the top teams? Yep, like the top four teams in the round robin thing. Not very. I think by the end they the might be. They might be. Yeah, the last two or three. I do think I've been trying to think because like obviously home ice advantage means nothing other than matchups and but like very very little anyways. But I do still think that being the one seed has a big enough advantage that you should very much so want to do it. Like, like obviously it doesn't it doesn't really matter. But like if you're so if you're um I don't know Colorado let's look at for them because I was I was debating about writing something for Mile High High Hockey for them but. If you're so like if you get the one seed and let's say the Blackhawks pull off an upset against the Oilers, you're now playing what was the 24th best team in the league over the regular season. Like that's that's good, right? Like, yeah, I guess I never really thought about considering the upsets. It probably is more useful than I thought at first. Yeah, or like if the Blackhawks, even if the Blackhawks don't upset and the Oilers win, but if the Coyotes upset, you're playing the Coyotes because you're playing, they re-bracket. So it's like you're playing the lowest seed no matter what. So it's like if any of the Blackhawks, Coyotes, or Wilds upset, you're playing one of them. And I don't know, like that's, I'd probably rather play them than like the Flames. Or, you know, if, if you come fourth, you have to play probably the Oilers, Predators, or Canucks. And like, I'd probably rather play one of those first three teams versus the last three teams. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, there's actually, I was more thinking of it from the home ice perspective, but I guess the fact that you could get a 12 seed is a pretty decent advantage. Yeah, like, I don't know how much it'll swing, but, you know, if it swings you, like, 7 or 8% chance of winning, like... That's a lot. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's pretty big, right? Like, and maybe it won't be quite, that. maybe it'll only be 3 or 4 or whatever, but still, like, that way, I think that that's probably also how coaches will have to motivate their players to try and, you know, treat this like it's an elimination game or whatever. But I definitely think the first game of the round robin is going to be pretty pathetic. <laughs> I'm not expecting much from that. But the, the, the last two, I think there should be something to play for. Yeah, I, th- I think they're going to see a lot of words about how they're going to play like it's a playoff game. And then on the ice, it's not going to reflect it at all. But I could be wrong. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't really have much more to say on the round robin than that. Um, the only, I have two more things. We figure out one really big thing we're planning. Um, but Oscar Lindblom um, signed a three-year extension, uh, three years, $3 million. Uh, first of all, I just want to say awesome for him. This is amazing to see. Uh, for those who don't know, he was battling – it was cancer all year. Um, he didn't play, like, at all this year. Um, but – He's back and ready to go, and apparently he's going to play in the bubble. Yeah, so awesome for him. Yeah, or he didn't. Sorry, he 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 played thirty games this year, which I actually had no idea. But um, that either. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I saw some people really worried about uh, him playing because of you know what he went through this year. Um, I'm going to assume he has better information on that than any of us. Yeah, exactly. I I think it's fair to worry. Like, because obviously anyone worrying, or most people worrying, or anyone with a heart or whatever is worrying just like, oh, I really hope this doesn't affect him. Not, what an absolute idiot for going out and doing this. But like, I don't know. Like, yeah, on July 2nd, he uh, completed his final treatment for uh, rare bone cancer. Um, So, you know, that's great to see. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I think, you know, as long as, 
he knows it's safe and you know the, the the doctors that are recommending it are saying it's safe uh i don't personally have an issue I, I think if i was in that position it would be a very tough decision for me to make but uh credit to him for making it but yeah i wanted to acknowledge the um the signing and uh first of all just say like it, it's really good to see you know like obviously we're all about players getting their money and when you see someone who's gone through a whole bunch of tough stuff get paid it, it's even better to see and, and you know it's not much harder than that what he went through this year and has come back to you know make the the roster uh, the flyers final roster so yeah it's it's great for him it's hard to be a better story than coming back from cancer to sign a new contract and then play in the playoffs yeah exactly um for, for the contract itself do you have any opinions on it one way or the other I really like the contract. He's one of those guys who analytics Twitter was like, oh, he's great at defense. And then people look and go, well, he doesn't have very many points, so that can't be true. <laughs> but if you look into it a little deeper, he actually has good defensive numbers playing, like decent competition and everything. So I think this was a great sneaky little signing. Yeah, uh, I would uh, I would definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, he's not like a star by any means, but he's solid. Like, And for $3 million a year, especially with uh, – um, uh, what should be a flat cap for a couple of years. I mean, that's a pretty good uh, guy to have under your wing for a little bit, right? And yeah, if you look at his three-year sample from Evolving Hockey, he's uh, zero on goals for above expected. Expected goals for, he's almost one standard deviation. Uh, Corsi four per 60 is about half. And then expected goals against, he's one and a half. And Corsi against per 60, he's one. So like, he's very good just all around. And that's a solid player for $3 million. Yeah, like he's an average-ish, maybe slightly above average player for three million bucks. That's it's not bad. Yep. Um, do you know the last topic that I am going to ask you about that we forgot during our planning? I do not. I thought about it halfway through the episode. What do you think about the Seattle Kraken? Oh, yeah. How did we forget about the Seattle Kraken? <laughs> their jerseys look awesome. Yeah, I, I like it. Did you Have you seen the mashup of their actual logo and their alternate logo? I have not. Oh, it looks so... The one guy got a tattoo of it on his arm, but it looks so good. Um, honestly, like, I like it more than their actual, but, like, I, I do enjoy their actual uh, logo, and I think their jerseys look pretty nice as well. Um, so, I don't know. Like, I think Kraken is a... It's a fine name. I don't know. Like, it's not horrible, and it's not... Uh, I don't think it's, like, the best name in the league or anything like that, but, uh, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's cool. I saw a lot of people complaining about how corny it is, but, like... It is a sports team name. <laughs> yeah, really yeah, I mean, like, that. this is also a league that, like, there's literally a team named the Senators. Like, I don't know. Like, is it, is it really that bad? Or, like, the biggest like, team in the sport is named after a Leaf. Who yeah, exactly. Like, the Maple Leafs. Like, yeah, exactly. So it's like, I, I don't know. Like, I think it's fine. I, I'm not super passionate about it one way or the other anyways. But, you know, I think it was the same with the Golden Knights. I was like, yeah, it's okay. Like, I don't know. But, Nimedia, um NM Stats on Twitter was tweeting she works for them about how fun it is to wander around telling people that she does not runs numbers for the Kraken. Yeah, like, that's pretty funny. Like it's I like the name. Yeah, it's fine. Um, you know, I, I I really do. I think their jerseys could look really really nice. Um, there are I saw already some people like mocking designs and stuff of it too, and just like making colors like. There, there was one that they they threw one back to like a Seattle Metropolitans kind of jersey, but it was with their colors, and it it just looks so good, dude. Like they could really, really nail this. Um, so I, I'm excited. I think it's uh, all around pretty good. Yeah, I think it's a 
I think it seems promising right now anyways. Like they seem like an organization that is going to su- succeed based on what we've seen already. And it's cool that they have a nice name and potential to be really cool looking jerseys too because that can't hurt get fans on board. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, do you have anything else to add? I don't think so. It's just weird to say that hockey's back. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Uh, I I hope that this goes all. I'm still a little nervous. Um, uh, but you know what? I, what the the the, uh, the very low amount of positive tests. It was zero this past week and two the week before. That is very encouraging to me. And I think it also kind of signals that a lot of the players are playing it pretty smart, which um, I I wasn't too confident in start with either. So that's good. Yeah, I wasn't at all either, but it's it's good that like the every bit of information we have right now is overwhelmingly positive. So yep. I'm more optimistic than I was. Yep, and I'm excited to watch on Saturday. I will probably be I think I work till three, but I will be um sitting down on the couch as soon as I get home and watching the other four games that are after and probably watching a bunch Sunday as well. So uh I'm very excited to see what happens and uh yeah, we'll I think we should we'll be getting back to a regular weekly podcast for you know everyone. I know the, over the the break here it's been a little uh, spontaneous of where, when we've recorded, but that's been a lack of content and just you know busy and stuff like that. But with hockey back, I think we can get back to once a week, and uh, I'm hoping to have these edited within 24 hours again so they can stay relevant. Uh, that was my that was my fault, and you know the biggest issue on my end is sometimes I wouldn't get out for like a week almost. But um, yeah, so expect more from us. Um, I can't remember if I said this on the podcast last time we recorded, but I am now writing for SB Nation, uh, Mile High Hockey. Uh, I'm doing Colorado Avalanche coverage there, so I have a Nazem Kadri article out right now. And again, as the Avalanche actually start playing, I will have a bunch more stuff coming out over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Chase is writing for Last Word on Hockey. I will still be doing all my stuff there. I got to send stuff coming out there every couple of weeks as well. So you can find us both at lastwordonhockey.com. You can find me on Mile Hockey milehighhockey.com. You can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Um, Thank you everyone for listening, and we will talk to you all next week.